Welcome to Last Orders. It's a podcast about beer and about books and probably about anything that occurs to me, really. I'm Sam Smith and we're at Pressure Drop Brewery. We're in Bohemia Place, which is the railway arches opposite Hackney Central Station. So we're in East London. Yep. I first discovered your beer. I'd had a couple, but the one that really stood out for me was a beer with a strange name and a strange label, a beer called Wugang Chops the Tree. And that's what kind of brought me here, because it really changed my idea of what a beer could be. Could you tell us a little bit about that beer and what's in it and what's special about it? Sure. Well, that's actually one of the first beers we ever brewed I'd say it's probably the first when Graham and Ben and I started brewing together that's probably the first beer that we brewed that we considered a success well what that beer came out of was that we were were looking for a beer that would go with roast chicken we were becoming interested in food matching with beers along with doing home brewing and we were looking around for, and we were enthusiasts of the, the, the burgeoning sort of beer scene, if you like, in the UK and, and London at the time. And we're looking around for beers that would go with roast chicken. We kind of had the idea that if you brewed a Hefeweiss, the thinking was, what goes really nicely with roast chicken? And one of us had the idea that bread sauce went really well with roast chicken. So... The ingredient, basic ingredients of bread sauce are bread, i.e. wheat, cream, clove is a strong flavour in there, and a little bit of onion and uh, and bay. Not 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 things you might associate with beer necessarily. Not but. necessarily, but then thinking about hefeweizen as a style, the hefeweizen yeast has a strong clovey note to it. You also get the wheat, the breadiness of the wheat from that style and a creamy mouthfeel so the idea came basically it started as a, as a sort of a silly experiment which was the kind of thing we were doing a lot in those days most of our experiments didn't really come off in the same way but the thinking was if you added bay into a hefeweizen then you would get something that was like bread sauce because you had the, a lot of the other elements there and, and brewed a hefeweizen and added bay in at, at basically at the end of the boil, at the point at which you'd normally add fragrance hops or other ingredients. And that's how that beer came about. What came out of it wasn't something that tasted like bread sauce particularly, but we thought it was a nice beer and it had a nice kind of citrusy quality to it. It had a savoury kind of flavour that the bay had given it. Mm. And it tasted like, as you were saying, it tasted quite different to other beers. Although noticeably hefeweizen for people who are familiar with that style. So, are there other flavours in there as well? I don't know. We've got secret ingredients that you don't want to share, but are there other other hints in there as well? Because it seems quite a complex flavour to me. Yeah, there are. Well, there are there are notes of other flavours, but everything that you're tasting comes from the regular ingredients. The only secret ingredient in Wugang is bay leaves. Uh, we described it as a foraged herb hefeweizen, it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek because using the word foraged because it was a kind of trendy thing at the time and probably still is. Uh, we do actually still forage the leaves from, from wild trees. Uh, Graham does it on the way into the brewery and when we're brewing, uh, when we're brewing Wugang. But uh, 
all the other notes that you get in that beer come from the regular ingredients of the Hefeweizen. So oh, that's extraordinary because I thought I thought there must be you know seventeen different um, herbs no, and mean, botanicals do, in there. It's got such a lovely flavour. You get yeah, you do get citrus notes and mm. things like that, but it's all coming from the yeast. It, it's got a little bit of of American hop in it. It's got Cascade in it these days usually, uh, but there's nothing particular about the malt bill. In fact, the malt bill is is not a million miles away from a pale ale malt bill. It's obviously got more wheat in it. Okay, that's interesting. So that's what brought me here. But can you tell me a little bit about your journey here? How did you end up in Bohemia Place? How did you get into brewing? And can you tell me a little bit about the story of Pressure Drop? I think we kind of all, I suppose, fell into it at the same time. We were all enthusiasts, just as punters, of, of what was happening in the beer scene in the UK and London. And we were enjoying beers like Colonel uh, and Magic Rock and trying those things which were kind of, you know, ha- having a sort of epiphany moments about what beer can be, as a lot of other people have been over the last few years. We started homebrewing together. We were all at, at, from a variety of backgrounds in our professional lives and were all basically looking for something more rewarding to do than what we were doing before. And it, 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 it just, one of those things that kind of just fell together in a fairly natural and easy way. We all, we all left what we were doing, we started homebrewing together, we uh, had a bit of money to put into the business each, and we've all been kind of equal partners in setting it up. Uh, we all had a similar vision about what we wanted to do, which was to try to have a long development phase, mm. get yes. some good recipes. You were telling me about that, you had a phase where you were brewing sort of on a homebrew scale, not selling huge quantities of beer but actually spending a lot of time doing that research and development tell me a bit about that yeah well we spent uh, a good six months in a a development sized site that we could basically do a homebrew scale brewing but on on a slightly more professional scale in terms of the number of fermenters we had the numbers of beers we could have on the go at one time we had rudimentary temperature control set up and things like that so we could effectively brew every day, keep track of what we were doing, uh, experiment around a lot. And uh, we had the time that we could put into that, and that was always sort of part of our plan, because we wanted to make nice beers by trial and error initially and, and learn as quickly as we could, because none of us had a background in brewing. You're now here brewing on a bigger scale. How much beer do you brew each week or each month? Well, we've got a five-barrel kit with six fermenters and... Uh, those fermenters are taken up up to two weeks at a time per batch because we dry hop most of the beers so that what that equates to is about three batches a week i guess that's around two and a half thousand liters of beer a week and where does most of that beer go where can we buy it or drink it most of it goes locally around london specialist wine shops uh, specialist craft beer pubs although a lot of more mainstream corner shops and things like that are starting to buy our beers particularly in the local area here yeah, it was actually in Cornwall I first came across <laughs> your beer in a in a wine shop in uh, in Hale in Cornwall. Tell me a little bit about the other beers that you you've got uh, that you're making at the moment and what's what's popular. Anything in the pipeline that could be coming up soon? Our American style pale ale is by far our most popular beer. It's called Pale Fire, and that probably accounts for about fifty percent of our production and our, well our sales and therefore our production. Um, other than that, we have a few other kind of conventional style beers, like a, a London style porter. We've started to do 
different kinds of stronger IPAs. We've got Bosco, which is a, a, an American-style IPA we've been, that's quite popular. We've been selling for some time. We've done a double IPA version of that, Bosco Absoluto. And we've also done a New Zealand uh, IPA called Ends. We're working on one or two other beers. I can't really uh, <laughs> tell you too much about those at the moment. We have limited capacity for development at the moment, really, because and, and we'd like to increase that. I was going to say, would you like to have a separate, could you have a separate sort of R&D lab somewhere yeah, well, else where we, you could do experimental brews? We have been doing a bit of that on our mm. smaller kit that we started out on. It would be nice to expand the production of the core beers a little bit and allow us to to have a bit more fermenter space to, to do more experimental stuff in the future. That's certainly part of our, our future plans is to, uh, is to ramp that up um, rather than anything else because once you have demand for your existing products that tends to take up a lot of your time but not that, that we should be complaining about that. We're very, we're very uh, pleased to be where we are today because yes. what we have today is basically a a sustainable business that makes beer that we like and other people like and that's what we always wanted when we started out absolutely it's a hive of activity here we're in a railway arch or sitting just outside a railway arch there's sort of half a dozen people beavering away we've got somebody brewing we've got a couple of guys bottling beer we've got somebody else labeling it's all go i can just see two crates of beer just going out the door so um clearly clearly very successful tell me a bit about your labels as well because i do love your labels i'm a bit of a sucker for nice graphics and photography and uh, your labels are very smart tell us a bit about those yeah the labeling is the labels and the design is something that we enjoy uh, graham has a bit of a background in graphic design uh, so he has a lot of input into the, the designs and the illustrations um, he's actually done a couple of the illustrations himself although they, they're generally done by different people mm-hmm. usually people that we've just bumped into or come across so you've got, just to describe them if anyone doesn't know, they've got, you've got very different sort of imaging in the background but they're all linked together with a common sort of graphical the type and the layout yes. is common isn't it, but you've got very different imagery laid behind it. Yes, well the logo was kind of the starting point for that if you like and we, we spent quite a lot of time developing that logo it's quite simple today but there were lots of different kind of rejected versions in the early days uh, there's a chap called Francis Redman who's a local designer in Stoke Newington that we bumped into who developed that along with us and the innovation of having the logo set off the, the label that I think kind of makes yeah, it so the label's more. not rectangular the, the top of the logo actually sticks out doesn't it, proud yeah, from the label that was yeah. Graham's innovation and, and uh, I think that works very well in terms of making them all look similar but different mm. if, you, if you know what I mean like you, yeah. they're recognisably pressure drop beers absolutely they stand out on the shelf as well don't they yeah and they, mm. they, they've all got different illustrations we can play around with the illustrations and have different look for those some of them are photographs the Stokey Brown label is an old photograph of Stoke Newton uh, Church Street some of the others uh, a couple of them were illustrated by somebody who's a mum at Graham's kids uh, school the latest one was a photograph that's done by Javier, one of the guys bottling at the moment. Some of them are just uh, people who have asked us if they can do illustrations and submitted stuff that we thought was nice. Mm. So yeah, we, we kind of enjoy that, that aspect of it. Now, craft beer, as you've, you've already alluded to, this has been a huge explosion in interest in it in the last few years. Is it sustainable? There are so many breweries in London now. 
is it a bubble that's going to burst or is it just going to carry on or keep expanding can it can it continue i think it can i i would look to well for parallels to that i would look to a the united states and the market there how how it's gone and also just other foods and things like coffee my view on it is that once people start drinking nice beer they don't generally want to go back to drinking not so nice beer I think the the bubble, as you call it, may burst in terms of it being a trendy thing and the latest thing that people in you know magazines want to want to do features about and uh, something that's associated with hipsters. I think that will go away. I think the idea of people wanting to drink nice beer, I don't think that will go away. I think that will carry on growing. I can buy Brewdog beer in my local branch of Sainsbury's. Would you like to see uh, pressure drop in <laughs> the Tesco around the corner if it's not there already? Well, I, I suppose we'd never say never to that, but I, I could tell you right now that we just don't have the drive and ambition of a company like Brewdog, so we, I, I can't see us ever being anything like that. I, we'd like to grow a bit more from what we are today, certainly, because at the moment we turn away sales every week and we'd like to be able to meet the orders that we have to begin with. Um, it's you know, probably in a nice place to be in demand, isn't it? And turning business yeah, away rather yeah. than the other way around. Uh, exactly, and I, I'd always want it to be like that. We will, we've always set out to sort of have beer that, that people want to come to us to buy, and I, I don't think we'd ever want that to change. We've never really had uh, sales staff or anything, and we, I don't think we'd ever want to have that as part of our business model. Mm. We'd like to keep it the way it is now, which is fairly relaxed. But we think that it can grow from what it, you know, say if you doubled or quadrupled from what we are now, you're still a fairly small brewery in the scheme of things. So, yes, we do want to grow, but there's a limit to how much we want to do that. And we all left other careers and jobs to do this. And if you end up running a large company, you're back in front of a spreadsheet effectively. So I don't think we want it to end up like that, but. Yeah, so you want, we you, want to grow and develop. But you're very much still all hands-on. You're multitasking, doing lots of different jobs. Is that right, all of you? That's right. We generally rotate the major tasks. So one of us will be brewing each day. Uh, that's Ben today. And then we generally have one person bottling or supervising packaging and one person dealing with orders and sales and, and the, the general admin of the business. And those, those three things, we, we rotate them between us. Uh, which works pretty well and everyone's comfortable doing, doing each thing. Fantastic. Thank you very much.